The Naval Academy Museum presents a history of the Navy in 100 objects. With the signing of the Treaty of Ghent that ended the War of 1812, the U.S. moved into an exciting new era of exploration and learning. Politically, we were looking outwards around the world, and our Navy was an important element of this process, protecting commerce, exploring, and building diplomatic relations with countries and peoples around the world. Specifically, at this point, the Navy began to assume an additional role, one which the Army did not share. Assigned to far-flung squadrons on the other side of the world for years at a time, Navy captains were often the diplomatic representatives of the United States and were required to operate with all of the subtlety and skill that accompanied this role, while at the same time still serving as the commanding officers of warships. In 1823, President James Monroe addressed Congress, and in this speech he articulated the U.S. foreign policy stance that would become known as the Monroe Doctrine. Simultaneously, the U.S. was working to expand its economic influence abroad, not only in Latin America, but also around the world. The Navy would be one of the main vehicles through which this policy and the Monroe Doctrine would be implemented. By the 1830s, the U.S. was entering its second decade of peacetime, and its naval ships were busy traveling the world with various squadrons. In future episodes, we will look at some of the technical innovations occurring at this time as well. We already addressed the ironclad warship when we discussed the Monitor and the Virginia. But we will eventually cover the steam engine, onboard ship communications, and other tools that were developed during this period. Nevertheless, although technical innovation was still ongoing, the U.S. now relied on its obsolete fleet of sailing vessels to carry out much of their exploration. Squadrons composed mostly of these sailing vessels included the West Indies Squadron, the Brazil Squadron, the Pacific Squadron, the Africa Squadron, the Mediterranean, and the East Indies Squadron. Often composed no more of two or three ships, these squadrons would be gone for years at a time. The real value for the Navy of this travel was for the training and development of its officer corps. Although there were problems with the midshipman training process, as we have already addressed, the naval officers were receiving an invaluable education about the world around them, and they were bringing it back with them to share with other officers. They also brought back souvenirs. These objects, and the lessons surrounding them, were deposited into the Naval Lyceum, so that other officers could learn about and discuss the expanding horizon of the United States. The Naval Lyceum was part library, part school, part lecture hall, and part exhibition, and it served as one of the earliest repositories of naval institutional knowledge, as well as many of the objects in the Naval Academy Museum today. Our object today is a series of souvenirs collected by the early Navy squadrons in their travels. There are over a dozen in the display case, and some of the highlights include American Indian carvings and tools from the Pacific Northwest, elaborate bottles and cups from Peru and the Hawaiian Islands, a piece of a mummy case from ancient Egypt, and a sculpture head from the ancient Ionian city of Ephesus. Ephesus was home of the famed Temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. We now go to Dr. Scott Harmon, retired director of the Naval Academy Museum, for a little bit more about the background of these objects. 
Welcome, I'm Scott Harmon, director of the Naval Academy Museum, and I want to welcome you here for another of our podcasts. Uh, this time we're talking about what the Navy did after the War of 1812. And this was a watershed for the Navy, the war was. It was before that war, the Navy was used when it was needed. Ships were put away, uh, what they called in ordinary, uh, brought out uh, when they were needed. The war, however, changed that attitude, and it was found that the Navy was needed in worldwide missions, and that mission was to protect American interests, uh, essentially the protection of American commerce, which was expanding greatly uh, throughout uh, the period after the war. And American ships were needed to protect those merchants and protect the American flag wherever they might be. Well, just as sailors do now when they're in foreign exotic countries, they collect souvenirs. And this display is of some of the souvenirs that sailors and officers collected on their exploits. Now, they were assigned to these uh, squadrons. There eventually were six of them around uh, the world. And they would go on extended cruises, two, three, sometimes four years in length and they would bring the materials back that they found, and many of these were donated to uh, the Naval Lyceum in New York and the Naval Lyceum in Boston, and eventually uh, came to the Naval Academy. But they represent materials, artifacts collected from around the world and reflect on the societies they met in their travels around the world. So it gives us a sense here of what the navies did, where they went, who they saw, and what their mission was and how they accomplished it. Thank you for joining us on this, one of our series of podcasts featuring the collections of the Naval Academy Museum. We will hope you will join us on other uh, visits and see more of our collections and hope also that this will encourage you to come and pay us a visit in person. We would welcome you here. Thank you. Oh,